Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Forbes online story, Why California's Climate Policies Are Causing Electricity Blackouts, and it is by Michael Schellenberger. Mr. Schellenberger is an environment and energy commentator, also Time Magazine's Hero of the Environment, 2009 Green Book Award winner, founder of the Environmental Progress Think Tank, and author of the controversial book, Apocalypse Never, Why Environmental Alarmism Hurts Us All. Mike, thank you very much for coming on the program. I really appreciate it. Let's let's start with, uh, with what we're seeing on our screens, our television screens from California, and that's the video of the wildfires in the state, and most of us are also aware of the simultaneous blackouts affecting millions of Californians, as you write about in the Forbes.com column. Are the two related? Hey, thanks for having me on, Roy. Yeah, I mean, they're related to the extent to which the the blackouts are being used to justify the policies that, I'm sorry, that the, I'm sorry, that the wildfires are being used as justification for the policies that led to the blackouts meaning that the governor is blaming the wildfires on climate change and climate change is being used as the reason for both moving away from reliable natural gas and nuclear plants to unreliable solar and wind facilities, which were contributing to the near blackouts that the state suffered last week. So how bad is it? Uh, You write, for example, in October in this column, Pacific Gas and Electric, cut off power to homes across California to avoid starting forest fires. The utility utility in California's leaders had over the previous decade diverted billions meant for grid maintenance to renewables. And then you wrote, and yesterday, so that was earlier in the week, California had to impose rolling blackouts because it had failed to maintain sufficient reliable power from natural gas and nuclear plants or pay in advance for enough guaranteed electricity imports from other states. Sounds like a mess. Yeah, so the there was two separate things. There was last fall there were blackouts because money that should have been spent on keeping vegetation and protecting transmission lines so they didn't cause fires was instead spent on renewables. And so then they had to actually shut down power lines when there was a high risk of fire that happened last October and it'll probably happen again this year. And then what happened just now is that they didn't have enough reliable power during moments of really big peak demand, which is basically when there wasn't any wind to power any wind turbines, because that's what, that's why it was so hot. And they just didn't have enough natural gas or nuclear to be able to guarantee electricity. So I think it was a wake-up call that people know now there's a difference between having reliable electricity and unreliable renewables is a problem. And, and now it's just a matter of time, I think, before there's either a worsening crisis or, or before they take action to keep the natural gas and nuclear plants operating. So you also wrote, and this is interesting to us in this country, um, because we are told by our federal government, by the new Minister of Finance, that uh, green energy is going to be fundamental to restarting the Canadian economy following the pandemic. You write, California saw its electricity prices rise six times more than the rest of the United States from 2011 to 2019 due to its huge expansion of renewables. Are you saying that it didn't work under the California model, which, by the way, was a model that was at least studied and somewhat agreed to by the province of Ontario 
on the province of Quebec in an initial uh, effort to work together with California. Are you saying that the, 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 the methodology didn't work or the plan was just bad? No, the underlying problem is with renewables. I mean, the underlying problem is with solar, industrial solar, industrial wind, which are just unreliable. So the way the electricity grid works, the most important thing for people to know is that electricity is really cheap because we're producing the electricity at the same time that we're using it. Anytime you have to store electricity, you're adding what are called energy conversions, since energy, as we know from physics, is not is never created or destroyed, it's simply converted. So when you're converting it into some kind of storage and then back again, you're just adding this huge cost. So we have cheap electricity because the sources of it are so reliable. Well, you go move to solar and wind, which are highly unreliable, then you are radically changing how you make electricity. So that's why, that's the main reason why California's electricity six times more than the rest of the United States over the last decade it's the reason that Germany spends almost twice as much for electricity that produces 10 times as much carbon emissions as French electricity. It basically, unreliable renewables make electricity everywhere more expensive because you have to manage all that, that um, unreliability. And, and then the other thing, of course, it requires huge amounts of land, three to 400 times more land for solar or wind than for natural gas. So those are the two underlying reasons for the high cost. And... I don't think, I mean, there's just been so much propaganda about renewables, honestly. It's kind of shocking um, that I think people are surprised by it. Uh, they, they, I think there's some sense of magical thinking that renewables were kind of magic and that they would, that it would somehow be okay, even though they're totally weather dependent. And it's just obviously turned out not to be okay. Mike, you were, uh, the first time I heard about you, people were talking about you as a hero in the environmental movement um, globally. And you're described as a hero in uh, Time Magazine's list of uh, environmental heroes. When I indicated on uh, Twitter that I was going to be speaking with you on the air, I received some emails saying, why are you talking to that guy? Because he just doesn't understand that he's become um, an opponent of renewables and an opponent of the environment, and all he wants is to push nuclear power. Have you changed... Have you, what's changed, Mike? <laughs> well, I wrote this book because I was really disturbed by, I wrote Apocalypse Never because I was disturbed by just how crazy the conversation about climate change had become last year. My daughter's 14 years old. She's fine, but her friends don't know if they're going to live long enough to have kids. One out of five British children, one out of five British teenagers report having nightmares about climate change. Half of humankind surveyed around the world thinks that humans might go extinct from climate change. There's no basis or science for any of that. So I wrote Apocalypse Never as an environmental activist. I've been an environmental activist for 33 years. I wrote it because this, this doesn't help. <laughs> this kind of alarmism is actually quite harmful. And imagine you're a cancer doctor and you're really helping, trying to you know, improve people's lives and improve people's lifestyles to reduce cancer. And then people come along and say, we're all going to get cancer and die in the next 10 years. It's not helpful. Well, it's the same thing for climate change. The people who are upset by me basically summarizing what the science says are people who are often in the grip of a religion. They, for them, climate change has become a religion. You know, it's a challenge. It's, it's not the biggest problem in the world. I don't even think it's the biggest environmental problem. Um, 
something we should be dealing with over the next hundred years, but it's not apocalypse. And I think you, the ways in which we will have described it as apocalyptic have been really harmful. Yeah, you wrote in the, in, in the in the Forbes column: Had California spent an estimated hundred billion dollars on nuclear instead of on wind and solar, it would have had enough energy to replace all fossil fuels in its in-state electricity mix. If I were to say that to Gavin Newsom, your governor in California, what would he say? Well, he would first try to deny that that's the money we spend, but it would be hard for him to do that. Um, <laughs> uh, everybody, the data is pretty well available. He would then sort of say, well, this is the direction we're going in, and California is reducing the price of solar panels because we bought all this solar electricity and that we're going to be innovative and that we're going to have batteries and other ways to make it work. It just, I mean, he doesn't understand energy or electricity. I think even a lot of people that work in the sector and the utilities don't totally understand it. The introduction of this unreliability into the electricity grid is inevitably makes things extremely expensive and more unreliable. You can deal with the unreliability at very, very high cost, and that's just to get to solar and wind being something like 34% in Germany um, and in California, right? Something like a third of our electricity, roughly a third is from solar and wind, and we're having all these problems now. Well, can you imagine trying to be at 100%? Can you imagine trying to be at 300%, which is what would be required for it to replace heating and cooking and transportation fuels as well. It's complete madness. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.